Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, verse 23. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can just look up here and follow along with us. This is the portion of Scripture that the Apostle Paul is writing and talking and actually dealing with the Ephesus, the people in Ephesus, when they, he walked through the upper coast of Ephesus. And whenever he was walking through, he saw an altar or, or a monument that had the inscription to the unknown God. Now, reading that just fired him up because he knew the name of the unknown God that they were trying to worship. And so it opened the door, and here's where we take off from. Verse 23. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, he told the Ephesians. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who who, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life and breath and all things. And he has made one blood, every nation of men, to dwell on the face of the earth and determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, God is the one who made us, sent us, and establishes us, but he is the God of all flesh. He is the originator. And so it says, so that they should seek the Lord. If you ever want to know what God's will is for our lives, it's to seek the Lord in hope they may grope for him and find him dealing with the desires of the heart. Because every heart, I believe, is hungry for God. They just don't know where to find him and who he is most of the time. Though he is not far from each of us. And here's what I want to capitalize on right here. For in him we live, we move, we have our being. That is referring to the spirit man. Your spirit, man, is the priority in the eyes of God and should be our priority to know that that's where life comes from. That's where everything matters. And as also some of your own prophets said, for we are also his offspring. Today we're we're going to be talking about the acts of the spirit, the release. We're, We're really needing to see a move of the Holy Ghost a move of God in our families today. I'm not talking about all of America. I am actually talking to you in this church. So those that are watching online, what we need is God to move and not just bring you to church or bring you to an online experience. The Spirit of God, we need Him to bring all of our families into the house of God to get saved, to get forgiven, to be resurrected by the power of God 
and to live a powerful life, not a defeated one, unha unhappy one, but live it in the, what the scripture calls a joy unspeakable and full of glory type of experience in their life. And there's only one way I know to do it, and that's through the acts of the Spirit. Will you bless the service one more time and say, God, touch Pastor Bobby and touch my ears again and touch my heart. Will you do that right now? Will you, will you set the tone for the atmosphere? Set it. Just speak to the atmosphere and say, everything, everything is subject to the Word of God right now. And uh, there is nothing, there is no void in this moment. God, fill every void and God, speak to us and touch us and move. And we're going to give you all the gratitude and thanks you deserve in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, turn to your person that you came with and tell them God still moves. And you can be seated. God bless you. I'm going to briefly mention a, a reference of something I saw that really stirred me up and I sent it to our children's directors. And... Um, and our children's department, I believe they do such a great job. How many of you appreciate them? They do a great job. All the teachers, uh, the Greens, and, you know, it, we have a, we've been blessed with a great children's ministry. We've also been blessed with a great youth pastor and leader and his team and Pastor Caleb, wherever he's at. I think he's actually working on the air conditioner. Shouldn't have mentioned it. Now everyone's going to go, oh, my God, that's what it is. What I do know is if anyone's under attack, it's really not you and I because you're strong. You're, 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 you're of sound mind. How many of you have already made up in your mind that Jesus is real and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life? But there are some that are in limbo right now, and there are some that don't know the difference, and that is your children. And there are those that have grandchildren along with that that are very susceptible to lies, being misled, and feeling pressured, pressured by other peers. You can look this up. Maybe some of you have seen this already. There's a parody out, and there's a, uh, a video that you can find on YouTube that was sent to me. And um, there are two men that are singing a song, and the song is essentially standing up for gay rights and their beliefs and what they feel and really essentially putting down Christianity and they make a statement within their their song that says we're coming for your children to convert them and and I'll let you look that up if you want to and but someone sent me this video I, I didn't want to put it up here and you know I, I just I wanted to focus on a couple of things a few things really and but it got me fired up, and I sent it to our children's department, and I told them, I said, this is what we're up against. This is really why we are here. Uh, I want you to know uh, if, you have a ch if you have children, if you have teenagers, uh, if your children are already 21 and above, it doesn't matter. We are still going to be here, and 
we serve the devil notice and all of his disciples that we are coming for our own children and raising them in the fear of God. And we are praying that God protects our children's mind and influence them through godly means, especially through the acts of the Spirit. How many of y'all believe that families are number should be a, a, a high value in your life in your in your life? I thank God that this church has not always had our beginnings were very humble. The fact is, is that if you look back there in the media department, that little area where they they control all the, the online experiences and the volumes and the lighting and so forth. Uh, that was actually our Sunday school room. So that's where we started. This whole area was our entire church. Uh, the youth area was back there where some of you are in the nosebleed section. The, uh, this area right over here to the left was our nursery. Uh, we only had about 60 chairs out that could fit in here. And... We started off very humbly and uh, very small. But God has blessed throughout the years. But I'll never forget the Sunday that our one Sunday school teacher didn't show. And my wife had to fill in for her. And my wife went to the back and got into the room and all the kids were there. And she said, okay, kids, I don't have anything to teach you. <laughs> so... What we're going to do, we are going to, I'm going to stand here in the middle and you are going to lay hands on me and you're going to pray for me that God will give me a message for you. And as they did, she laid, they laid hands on, on Pastor Don and, and on my wife and, and when they did, they started praying with all of their heart. They felt like it was a desperate moment. They had no more, they had no other options. She was it and she had nothing. But they felt the urgency of it. Children just have faith. And I'll never forget, this was happening during service while we were teaching here. And Sunday school was right there. The window was, was there, I believe. And, and you hear this commotion, like a, like a, just like a little, a little rumble. And you look back there, and someone walked in the back, looked inside the window, and all the kids were out speaking in tongues. All of them. All of them. They were, they were all filled. And they were in the corners. They were holding each other, weeping, praying over each other, not even knowing what they were. It was, no one taught them. It was an act of the Spirit. And, and things like that happen when, when you believe and you take the limits off. The reason why it happened is because my wife unknowingly challenged a group of, let's just say, little people. <laughs> a group of people that from their perspective, God could do anything. Just like they would believe that their mama or their daddy can do anything. That's why they ask you for things that are nowhere near your budget. <laughs> and, and, and they believe that it can happen. And when you say, oh, babe, we can't afford that, they're like, why not? You can do everything and anything. That's the way children are. So, so we're dealing right now, we're living in an age, and we're living in a moment right now in our culture 
where there are some really hard questions out there and people want to know why. They want to see why. But they, want, they wonder why and what causes you to come to church every week. They, they have intellectually, in some cases, begun to figure it all out and have identified it as just an emotional experience. But you can't fit God into that equation because God is no respect of figures or problems or logic or reasoning. Is an act of faith. It's an experience that you wish with all of your heart that you can just put it in a box and or put it within a recipe and feed it to your family and it's done. They got it. They understood it. They, they sense it, the essence of what you really have, but it's not that easy. It's not like a meal that you describe and then you share the recipe and they produce the same thing or close to it at home and then they get what you're talking about when you say, man, that is so good. When you say God is so good, it's going to be more than just theology. When, when you and I say God is so good, do people really get it? And I, I'm, I'm here to, to really defend the faith and stand for the faith, your faith and our faith together in God and say it's going to take more than theology. It's going to take more than just even, which is powerful, your testimony, but it's going to take them experiencing God for themselves and knowing it. So as I begin to think about this, I realize there are three questions we have to begin to ask ourselves. And I, I put them up here for you in, in, a, in just any form you can answer them. But, but the first one is, if, if someone is going to come to you and look to you for influence, and, and if you're really going to see the Spirit begin to work in your life, if you're going to see the Spirit of God move, and we have to realize this is what it's going to take. This is why you pray. We have made the mistake that we first have to disciple people and then lead them into an experience. I believe that is backwards. I believe that God can move and touch people's lives and they can experience God before they fully understand God. Well, the truth is that's how we all got here probably. But the question you have to answer is, why are you following Jesus? Why am I following Jesus? What causes you to get up on a Sunday morning when you can sleep in on your day off and come to church in a warehouse, at least for a little bit longer, someone say in Jesus' name, what causes you to get up and go. What causes you to want to come on a Wednesday night after you've worked hard all day? Let's go further. What, what causes you to kneel down in your bedside before you go to bed at night to seek someone you can't see? What causes you to refrain from certain lifestyles that, that everyone else is involved with that you choose to abstain from them because you, you're in love with someone that they can't see? The second one is, how do you know God's real? If someone asked you right now, how do you know he's real? What would your response be? 
Can I tell you, no matter what you say, it's not good enough. Fact. No matter what you say, it's not good enough. Unless you have built a relationship with that person that they fully trust in you and will buy into your beliefs. That takes a lifetime. It does. It takes a lifetime. In most cases, it's family. That's why family is easier to win to God if they know you. And then God changes you. And they're like, there's got to be a God. <laughs> right? That's how it happened to me. My brothers and my sister and my whole family are like, him, pastor? This guy? My little brother? I don't deserve to be up here. And I agree with him. I don't deserve to be up here. I would have been the last choice. Right? How many of you would have been your, la you would have been your last choice to, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways, but that's why he's God, and that's why only he can do it. And the third question is, I have to ask myself personally as well, um, are you limiting God, and, and, and am I limiting God? I think it's only fair for me to begin to answer these three questions very briefly and speak from my perspective, and maybe that'll help you, because I think unless you find the why... The what will always be a mystery. What do I do? What do I believe in? What's the answer? What is it? People have a lot of questions that aren't answered, but you have to ask the right question to challenge yourself. We have to begin to start asking ourselves the question not, and not everyone else. So I start with myself. First of all, being raised in a religious church, I, I knew that being there was a good thing. I wasn't raised in a, a church like Riverside Church, but I started off as a child like many of you being raised in a denomination that, that um, you knew. When you went to this church, you had to be quiet. If not, you got to... <laughs> Don't worry. I'm solid. <laughs> if you didn't... Be quiet and stay still. It was the toughest thing you ever had to do. I knew what to do. I knew what not to do. Um, I knew who to honor and who to respect. And, 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 and where I grew up, if you didn't shake the preacher's hand before you left the church, you were cursed. <laughs> Especially if you didn't get your hands wet and touch your forehead. It was a no-no. That's their tradition. So I understood who the leader was, but I didn't understand spiritual authority. So my experience with God was just, okay, let's go to church. We did our bidding. Lord, we did you a favor. Um, now we can do what we want. And we'll just do what we want and come back and push reset and then go out and do it again and come back and push reset. That's religion, by the way. Why am I following Jesus? I have to give credit to the people who I looked at in my life that had an experience and knew him. And I watched them. And I asked them questions. 
The Bible has a lot to do with it, but because I saw proof in someone else's life, it caused me to become curious. That's why your life that you live is your greatest testimony. Your life that you live is your greatest testimony. You have to keep yourself in the love of God, in the presence of God, not just for yourself and your own salvation, but for the sake of your family. You have to live the life. I watched his family, and I saw them. They didn't have a lot of money. They, they weren't the most influential in the city, but they were happy, happy all the time. Their kids, they were happy. They didn't have a lot of toys. They didn't have all the finest you know, clothing, and, and you know, they were happy. And, and it was just a great example. So I asked them for help, and, and they then brought the scripture because I asked them, and he showed me something. But when I put my faith in the word, God met me there. That's why I followed him, started following him, because I, I, I invested into their source, not my source, their source. I believed in it because it was working for them. Someone has to see God in your life. Someone, I mean, if you want, can I tell you how to win your children and keep them saved? And can I tell you how to win your family? Can I, can I just share with anybody? Live the life. Not the rules and the regulations, but the love of God. The interaction with the Spirit of God and and showing and having mercy and having compassion and, and, and being long-suffering. And sometimes it's not what you say, just sometimes it's best to keep your mouth. Not to say, I can't say it, not to say it. There is so much to your life. And then, how do I know that he's real? Because... The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, began to interact with my faith on a regular basis. Curiosity got the best of me. I wanted something good and better for my family. Anyone who lives for God simply wants the best for their family. They care about their children. They care about their loved ones. They care about their marriage. They care about their relationships with their mother, their father, their grandmother, Grandfather, whoever it may be, we have a, a, a really an inherited frame of thinking about long-term relationships and developments. Anyone who lives life for the moment misses out on the bigger picture and the plan of God. Now, we can't worry about tomorrow, but we have to consider the repercussions and the results of what we do today. And so this is where the scripture says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day, not tomorrow. I can't live off of yesterday, but right now we have to take advantage of this moment right now. There's no better time to build and change the future than the present time right now. And, and so I follow him because, again... He began to answer my prayers. When I started talking to God, God began to answer. But here's the key to answered prayers. Having a conversation with someone 
builds a confidence where you have enough investment in a relationship where you can make a withdrawal. I said that. I think, do I need to say it again? Okay. When you have made enough deposits in a relationship, you have the privilege to make a withdrawal every now and then. My relationship towards God is he's blessed me. I deposit back what he's given me. And my conscience, I know that what Jesus did, I'm deserving because I wasn't capable of being deserving, if that makes sense. Because he gave his life for me. But because I made a deposit in my spirit, most of the time I know that he's my father. We've got a relationship. I've honored. I've obeyed. I've done everything that I try to do everything. And I've, I've made mistakes. I've fallen. But I've also, I've also honored him because I know what he's done for me. So I, I, I trust in his mercy. And that blesses God too. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to. I don't feel condemned in my life. Or I, I don't feel like I can ask God for something. The blood of Jesus has removed the guilt and the condemnation from my life. I, it's not a matter of feeling deserving. It's a matter of knowing that you're loved. So when I did talk to my heavenly father and I had it settled in my mind, he's my heavenly father, I understood covenant. I understood relationship. So as a son, I had the freedom to ask my father for something that I need. Because in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God, in real life, I call it real life, we are dependent on the Father just like Jesus was. But without that connection and that relationship, it's hard to make a withdrawal. And that's why most people don't see prayers answered is because they've never established the sonship in their life. And you don't see yourself as a child. You can say that you're a child, but do you really feel like a child of God? Relationships are so important. But the last one, do I think I'm limiting him? And I have to honestly tell you, yes, I think I am. I think I do. I think we all do. I think that God can do far above what we can ask or think according to the power he's placed inside of us. Exceedingly, abundantly is what Paul said. There's so much more God can do. If you felt like you've reached the pinnacle of your success in your life, of doing God's will and fulfilling his purpose, right where that ends is right where God says, okay, that's great, I'm impressed, but I'm going to start and I have something more. God can go way beyond that. We can't limit God. So when we look at the book of Acts, and I read you something like I read you today about Paul trying to relate to the Ephesus uh, Ephesians and, and telling them, I'm going to describe the unknown God to you. There's a lot of people that don't know God today. But the only way they're going to know God is through your experience. It's going to be through our experience. But if we limit God in any way based on our capabilities alone, that we're never going to see God move and we'll never step out by faith. We can stand here and say, well, it wasn't fair because, you know, Paul had such a dramatic experience. I mean, light just shined from heaven. It like blasted him and blinded him. And, and the, the disciples, they had Jesus walking with them. And 
They saw him with their own eyes. They saw him work miracles, signs and wonders, raise the dead back to life. And so they have an advantage. So let's go ahead and do point number one in the form of a question. Did the early church really have an advantage over us? Or do they have an advantage? Did, do. How many of you have ever thought in your mind, well, that was necessary for God to do such great miracles back then to establish the church? You never said it, but you thought in your mind, maybe that's not for us right now, like it happened for them. Now, don't raise your hand for that one, okay? How many of you, but, but how many of you have been intrigued by what you've read in the book of Acts? <laughs> how many of you have read the book of Acts? <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank God. So, so you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you references to the things that the Spirit of God did in the early church. But just because they had Jesus with them, the 11 that were chosen, 12, but you know what happened. They had Jesus. They saw him. Don't think for one moment that they had the advantage over us. And those miracles and signs and wonders and things that happened in the scripture weren't just for them. Just because God was establishing and doing, uh, establishing the plumb line like every good builder does. How many of you know that, you know, you have to get things leveled when you begin to build a house? The very first thing is the foundation has to be plumb, has to be right, has to be structured, has to be deep enough, strong enough to hold the structure. And then the structure has to be upright. So it was essential for them when the church was first being built that God got everything right. And that's why some lives were lost like Ananias and Sapphira, and this is why we see so many things like that. But are we limiting God to think that the church has already been built and that's it? The church has not stopped being built because you are the church and God still has souls to save. So I want you to think about this for one moment. The very tools... The gifts and the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and every miracle that the apostles had to build the church are still available for us if the church is still being built. I, I want to I give you this, and I want you to read this. John 14 and 12 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So you have read this before. You've heard it before. But go back to the part where he says it in the very beginning. He who believes in me, he said. There is a certain part of believing in yourself that's, that's very important. I mean, I do believe that, you know, how you feel about yourself, how you feel in general, makes a big difference and can affect your faith. But the bottom line is, is that it's not how much faith I have in myself more than it is how much faith I have in God. But the paradox is, is now I have faith in God. It is going to take me to meet God where I believe in 
him for. What I'm believing him for. I mean, at some point, we have to step out of the boat. Right? At some point, we're going to have to limit our options and make sure that we got to trust God. And let's give God a chance. And let me call Pastor Bobby so he can pray for us. Hold on one second. Oh, no, he's be, let's, let's call Pastor Caleb. He don't do nothing. Thank you, don't do nothing. I'm not making fun of him. I'm just saying he does a lot. Let's call Pastor CJ. He, he's playing golf. Let's just say he, he's not doing nothing. That's what you think. These guys work just as much as I do and anyone else here. But I'll tell you somebody who has the answer because all they're going to do and all I'm going to do is go to. It's not me. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. Now, I'm not saying don't call us for prayer, but I'm not saying call me because that's going to be a mess. I can't take everyone's phone calls like that, and that's not the will of God for your life, and I love praying for you, and it works. I mean, I prayed for a number of people. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the little things in our life that have developed where our first thought is, let's call mom and dad. Let's call the doctor. I have a doctor. I love the doctor. My doctor's a member of this church. Very important person in my life. But even he will tell me, if there's something that's beyond the medical field or anything else, he'll even tell me, it's going to take God in certain cases. There is just a point in our life where you and I have to determine. We're going to have to trust God. Oh, and believe me, just for what it's worth, I've had to call my pastors. I, I do. I have three men in my life, three men that I call my spiritual dads. I, I believe with all of my heart it's a necessity that every pastor needs a pastor. For all of you ministers out there that feel like Jesus is your only pastor and you're just that 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 ain't scriptural at all everybody who's high in authority had like the like the centurion soldier had he was under authority and he was over authority that's what made him a very influential person but when he met Jesus he said I know you're like me you have your father you have God and then you have disciples so you understand where I'm at that's why he had great faith people who live in accountability have great faith but it was never meant for us, including myself, to always call somebody else. Although I have made many phone calls. Believe me, I need a pastor in my life. I don't ever want you all here to think that we have all the answers, that we are God, we're not God, that our lives are perfect, we're not perfect, uh, that everything about us is just no wrinkles. That's not true. We have to pray every day like you. We fast every week like you. We have to read the word of God every day like you. And we have to sell out to God and say we have no other options. Because I can tell you right now, there are many things that need to be done in this church that it's going to take God to do it. And God has done it before. Therefore, I go back to the same source. Only you 
can determine the outcome for your life. But when you put that trust in God, God says, thank you for coming to me and trusting me. Now I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm going to show you what I can do. But the disciples had Jesus with them. That's like having a personal trainer. True. True. I mean, Thomas had enough guts to say, you know what? Listen, guys, you saw Jesus. I want to see him for myself. I want, to, I, I want my own experience. I want my own experience. And, and listen, and, and Jesus appeared in John 20 and 29. Jesus appeared, and then Thomas touched him, and he believed. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So I'm going to drop this thought into your memory bank, and maybe you can reflect on it later, but could it be that because they saw Jesus, they limited their faith? Could it be because they saw him do certain things that that's what they had the faith for was just those certain things? Versus you and I, who've been blessed with an imagination, who understand by reading the scripture, not only did God do that through the life of Jesus, but he did everything else that we can see and hear of right now, and we've read about it, but then our imagination takes over and says, if God made all of this, if God created the heavens and the earth, if God did what he did in the book of Acts, and our imagination has no limit, then could it be... That what Jesus meant when he said, greater the works. He did not say, you're going to do the exact same thing. Nothing more, nothing less. He didn't say that. He said, greater works shall you do. I'm going to the Father, which means... I'm going back to the source of where I came from originally, and I'm going to send you back the helper, the Holy Ghost, and he'll teach you all things. And based on your own imagination, based on your faith, I will do according to what you can ask or think even exceedingly and abundantly. Just don't limit me. Just don't limit me. So the only thing, or the only person that can limit us is us. And I'm asking us today, and I'm asking myself, where am I limiting God? Because of the way I feel? Because I just don't feel like it? I don't, I mean, they hurt me and I don't want to love anybody. And I don't know how a loving God can let somebody hurt me like that. Jesus said, there's a blessing on the people who believe in me that have not seen me. There's a special blessing on them because I'll meet their needs. And how many of you know that your imagination can take you further than what you can see? 
Why do you think God gave us an imagination? You know, if you want to look at the image and the imaginations of God, think about the universe. They still haven't found the end of it. <laughs> because the mind is far bigger than what you can see. And we are in the image of God. And in our minds, there should be no limit to what God can do. So what I'm saying to you, the life that you see right now, it has boundaries. But how much further does God want to take that? Well, it's impossible. That's your problem. I don't have time to do it. God never made you to do everything he called you to lead and delegate. That's another lesson, but Jesus, did, Jesus didn't, listen, Jesus didn't come to be a one-man band, right? We don't. You know what that was? Never mind. The accordion. But anyways, Jesus didn't come to be a one-man Jesus chose 12 to help him, and the scripture says they turned the world upside down. It didn't say that about Jesus. I'm not trying to put and limit the power that the Lord had. I'm simply saying it was God's will for his children to exceed and do better than what he himself could do. I, I'm going to case in point. How many of you have children and you want them to do bigger things than what you did? better things than what you did, and the reason why you're working hard right now and sacrificing so much so they can have a better chance at life to do more. You, you know what I looked at the other day, CJ? On YouTube? I don't know if I'm first or second, or I don't know if I'm third or second or third on views, but this dude's number one. I mean, I don't know where we're at. I mean, it's not a competition. I understand that. But when I saw his views, I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> no, he thinks he's all bad. <laughs> uh, oh, I, know, I know what it is because he's taller, right? You know? <laughs> the cameras don't know. They can't see a thing. <laughs> Maybe I'll get 10 more views. <laughs> That's God's will. I think I'm last, but anyways, I don't care. My point is, they're going to do greater things than what I can do as a pastor by myself. But my faith has to be released. And here's a word for somebody. I just feel like I need to give it to somebody because I'm on this trail for a reason. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're dealing with. This is for a business person. I feel it in my spirit. You need to start trusting others and let them mess up and make mistakes because they'll never learn any other way. But if you don't start delegating, you're going to wreck your health. And that's not God's will. Because God will send you the right people. That's the way this works in the kingdom. So start praying. God, again, I, I can't get off of it. God, the people that God sent to you already are gifts. And you have to pray that God would develop their giftings. And if you don't pray enough for them, 
as Paul said, I have no greater joy than my children to follow God. Walk in the truth. So Paul says, I travail in prayer till Christ be formed in you. So we have a responsibility. Every day I have to pray for these pastors. Every day I have to pray for our servant leaders. Every day I have to pray for our church. And I pray that God would develop each of you and grow you into a place where you find your ministries. Not to be a maverick and go out there and you can't do it by yourself. You need spiritual coverings. You need an alignment with the government of God through people who have the five, one of the five-fold gifts of ministry to be accountable to. And you need a network. And you need others to pour into. I call it like this. You need a mentor or an upline. And then you need a sideline, people that are doing what you're doing that can relate to you. And then you need a downline, people that you can pour into. Without those three, it's hard to stay. It's hard to grow. It's hard to grow. In my life, again, once again, the Spirit works through me, but it's based on the people in my life. I have to close this really quickly. Um, there are things that God has for me, but you know, most of the time, the blessings that God brings into my life happen through people. God said that he would give us favor with God himself and men. That means that my channels of things that take place from networking to growing to whatever it may be happens through people. So you can't live life without that. So the only way you're going to successfully connect with people, because if you don't learn to deal with people and grow people and work with people, you are limiting yourself and limiting God. So only the spirit can work through you when you have the love of God in you. But there are more. Let's, let's, let's cut that off right now. We stop. That's, it. That's the end of that. I have to say it because I'll keep on going. <laughs> Maybe you had that problem. But I feel it. And, and, so, and so now we, we, we have to recognize that we've got to go beyond what we can see. Have the eyes of faith. The eyes of faith can look way beyond what you and I can see. The eyes of faith will take you so much further and you have to realize the only one that's going to show you what the future holds and what God has put in you and what God has for you is the spirit of God and until you have that you'll limit yourself first Corinthians 2 9 and 10 but as it is written I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of me, you, God. Oh, so the spirit works in my life to search out the heart of God for me? Yes. How does that work? Okay. What do you trust God for? What, where are you relying on him for? What are you relying on him for? Let me give you an example. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, gives you the report. Um, we'll do our best, but at this point, it's in the hands of God. 
your faith goes, oh, my God, I need to call my mom. You need to call grandma. Grandma knows how to pray. No, 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 no. God said, you're the one that needs to steward your faith. So you've learned how to trust God, so your faith will either say, what am I going to do? Or I know where to go. So when you go into prayer, the Holy Ghost begins to look at your heart and knows what the need is, past even what the x-rays show. The I mean, the Holy Ghost knows everything. We have to get this down. It's not just a thing, a, a bird up there. That's not, the Holy Ghost is not a parrot only repeating what God says. No, no, no. The Holy Ghost is the presence of God, the very essence of God himself that sits in and resides in your spirit and sees everything. So the Holy Ghost or the great physician inside of you says there's a problem. And you're praying in the spirit, not knowing what to pray for. But Romans says the spirit searches out everything and says things that you don't know what to say. And then goes to the Father or goes into heaven's reserves. And the Holy Ghost says, oh, we've got that. We have that. We have a cure for that. They're asking for it. Give it to them. Your faith just took a withdrawal made a withdrawal from the riches of God's presence, which are limitless. I feel so sad. I'm worried about what's going to happen. Uh, we have no money. The bills are due. I got to call mom. Yeah, if you're like my mom, my mom would have said, pray. You believe in God? I cast a demon out of a lady one time, and, I, and I, when I cast a demon out of her, I, I called my pastor because it came to my house the next day and it woke me up out of my sleep. Because I cast it out of her, it came to my house to try to get me. I was just growing up in God. I didn't know how to deal with them, really. And, and I'll never forget. I woke up, and there was something on me. My wife woke up. She goes, oh, my God, what is on you? I said, that spirit is it, it, trying to take me out. I felt it. And I called my pastor up. <laughs> you know what my pastor told me at that time? You prayed it out. Pray it off of you. I said, can you pray for me? He said, no. <laughs> but he told me. I said, dude, okay. Anything you have need of, the Spirit searches the things of God. To retrieve it for you. The Spirit says, we have that. We can do this. We have that. I mean, like a surplus. Everything. Unlimited. And God says, I can do that. But let me tell you why the early church was effective. Here's the last point. Are you ready? How many of you are getting this right now? Okay, let me try to slow down, but i got to hurry. I'm past time. Uh, point number two, the reason why the early church was effective is because the early church had less options. That's why. We are blessed in America. In America, and right now in our life, we have too many options. And, and, and the options we have to choose our social standing, we are pressured 
by the culture to live a certain way and feel like we have no options or no one's going to like us. You do have an option. You're loved by him. You're saved by him. And he's the only one that loves you more than anyone else in this world. So, so I think pleasing God is more important than pleasing people. We, you do have an option. Uh, each day, did you know this? Each day in the United States, watch this, food is wasted. Uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me write this. Let me get this down. Here's what it says. I looked it up. This is according to, this was in 2017. One pound of food is wasted per person every day. Which back then it was the equivalency of 103 million tons in the United States. Thrown away. Now, when I say wasted, I am saying that the grocery stores are throwing food away every day because we have too much. Every day. I mean, look. I've never starved in my life, and you can see that. No one's ever told. I mean, I'm, I, in my defense, I've lost 61 pounds so far, but you know. Oh. Wasn't expecting that. But, I, I mean, but look what got me there, right? I mean, it's a lot to my story, but we're not starving, that's for sure. I, I mean, I'm just going to say I'm looking out in the crowd, too. We're not starving. I'm just saying, don't look, I'm not looking at anybody. I was looking at the wall when I said that. <laughs> looking at the wall back there. Don't know who's here today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we have too many options. Too many options. The early church didn't have the option. They may have had Jesus, but they don't have the options. They don't have the options. I want you to write this down. Are you ready? Just write a reference. Acts, every, every number uh, chapter and verse is going to be in the book of Acts. So just write the number and the chapter. I'm going to give it to you in order. You ready? Here the spirits, the spirit worked in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Luke said that the Lord miraculously appeared to them after his resurrection. Acts 1 and 9. 1 and 9. The miraculous ascension of Jesus was done through the spirit and Luke wrote it and put the reference down, and John as well. Acts chapter 2, verse 6, the Spirit began to work and filled everyone with the Holy Spirit, and they all spake with tongues. And they also began to testify in other foreigner languages. Miracles were performed by the apostles in Acts chapter 2 and 43. Right here in Acts 3 and 7 and 11, Peter healed a lame man at the temple. Acts 3, Peter healed the man at the gate called Beautiful. Acts 5, 5 and 10, Ananias and Sapphira, they were slain by the Lord. The judgments of God fell down because the Spirit was keeping the church pure in the beginning. Signs and wonders continued to be done by the apostles in Acts chapter 12. Peter healed many from various cities in Acts 5, 
and 12 through 16. The prison doors were opened by an angel in Acts chapter 5, verse 19. Why were the prison's door open to Peter while he was in prison? Because he was preaching the gospel. And he was effective. And the spirit was working because he took the limits off of God. But because the church that he was pastoring took the limits off of God, there were no bail bonds agencies around that time. There was no one that could walk up to them and say, will you please give them a chance and we want to just place an appeal. No lawyers like there are today. No justice systems like there are today. He was fixing to get the axe, not the hammer, the axe. They had no options. They were pressed to pray. Can I ask you a question? I think, I think every pastor should, I think every pastor wonders. But I often wonder sometimes if things really did get hard and we were under persecution, just thinking hypothetically, not trying to build on some conspiracy theory or anything like that, but what if that pastors were imprisoned? What if there was no other option and there was nothing available and that you could be under the same type of pressure and be put into prison with me for preaching the gospel, uh, preaching about sin. Would you pray for me like they did? I'm just wondering. Even if you were, I mean, we all say we would, right? But don't, don't raise your hand. Don't respond. I'm just wondering, what if things got tough like it was in the book of Acts, and everybody was persecuted. Could we exist and press on during these times? You know what I think? I think we would because we'd have no other option. We'd have no other choice. Stephen wrought great miracles and signs in Acts 6 and 8. Philip and Samaria did great miracles and signs and wonders Acts 8. In Acts 9, the Lord appeared to Saul. He responded to the preaching of Ananias. In that same chapter, Ananias healed Saul's blindness, and they opened up. Peter, in the same chapter, 9, healed someone of a disease and was sent to Joppa in the next chapter. And then the next chapter, it was Cornelius that was ministered to. Got that backwards, but you understand what happened in Acts chapter 10. The network was made. A supernatural connection happened because one person was praying while the other person was praying, and guess what? God connected them together. That's how networks are formed. Meeting the right people at the right time in the right place is eternity because that's God's timeline. We break forth from the chronos of time the chronological time area in our living, in our day, in our area of life, break through the spirit into what we call a kairos moment where it's eternal and God is in eternity. But when eternity meets our scheduled timing, it doesn't matter what time zone you're in. 
God will meet the need and everything will be on time. That's why God is never late. He is right on time waiting for you at a particular moment. I can keep on going about the prison doors that were open, about the blind eyes, about the 20th chapter where it talks about Paul who was bitten by a viper but didn't die and how he prayed for a man on an island and God healed them. There's so many works in the Bible, but I'm going to ask you a question. How many works has the Spirit done in your life? Notable miracles, specific prayers, because if we don't have them, then we have nothing to hand to or show our children or the world that God is real and he's not just a story from a book. He's not just part of our theology, but he is alive and well and he's living and moving in our being. If the apostle Paul went to Ephesus and did not address Ephesus to their unknown God with signs and wonders to follow, they would not have believed him. That's what they had. The word without the spirit does not validate anything. The whole purpose of this semester is to get us to this point where we start trusting God. If you were raised in church and you know all about the spirit works and you don't even have, you got great testimonies from your predecessors, from your ancestors, from your grandma, from your grandpa to your dad and mom, whoever, but you don't have your own, you're depriving the next generation. And then the next generation. And eventually, you've not taught them how to have their own experiences and the faith gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. The only way for our faith to continue to grow and have momentum is for our experiences to go deeper and deeper and deeper. I, I can tell you stories from my family. I can tell you stories right now from all these, from all these things uh, that God has used us to do it, with this church. I can tell you the time uh, that God blessed my family with. with I, I, can, <laughs> I have so much to say. I don't know what order to say them in. All I can tell you is God is real. But I remember the time I didn't have food and God brought somebody with groceries to my front door. I can tell you the time that we needed $600. And a man woke up on a Sunday morning, came to my front door from Corpus Christi to give me exactly what I needed to pay the bill on Monday, who had nothing to do with this church. I can tell you the time that my youngest boy put his hand in the blender, cut it in half, went to the doctor and the hospital, and before they could meet him, God healed it completely, and we went home. I can tell you the time that my oldest son had a heart malfunction, had a heart disease, and God, he was having a good, he was going to have to go have surgery, but God healed his heart completely. I can tell you about the time when my brother was driving out of town and he ran out of water in his radiator, but he said in Jesus' name, and it began to cool itself, and he went one more hour on the road without the engine blowing up. I can tell you about the time. That God healed my brother of a lung disease, of a liver disease, and took the cancer out. 
I can tell you about the time that God filled my religious mama with the Holy Ghost and made her speak in tongues. And she never bothered me about coming to this church ever again. I can tell you story upon story. I can tell you about the time that God said, go get some property. And I said, I don't have any money. But God said, i got a billionaire up north that's going to buy it for you. I can tell you. I can tell you about the time my father-in-law who had a stroke was a vegetable sitting in a wheelchair and my wife had a prayer cloth and prayed over it with some ministers. They laid it on his pillow. The next day he was up talking and walking. They said he would never do it, but God healed him. I can tell you of the time that God said build the church and he gave us the money to build it. That hasn't happened. It's going to happen. Oh, I don't know about that. He did it for the property. Why can't he do it for the building? Spirit works. Logically, that don't make sense, but faith it does. Faith it does. God can do anything you ask or think. What's on the line here? What's at stake here? I'm going to tell you what ought to get your blood boiling and your spirit moving. I close with this one thought. Here's what's at stake right here, right now. If we don't start trusting in God, we're going to lose our families and our nation. They're not asking us for theology. That comes later. They're asking us for evidence. If losing your children means nothing to you, then, then, I, then God bless you. Losing your grandchildren, yeah, I'm telling you right now, they need to see the Spirit work in our lives. Our prayer, we were getting there. I walked up to somebody right before I stepped up here. I said, it's going to happen. It's happening right now. See, this church has gone through cycles and moves of the Spirit. And I'll tell you why. Here's, here's why. Because God has given us growth spurts throughout the years. And once we get growth, everyone starts to have a new experience. You can all stand to your feet here this Sunday morning if you like. New people come in from different backgrounds. What's beautiful about this season right here that we're in is that we're getting people from unchurched backgrounds. Some of you weren't raised in church. You may have visited your mom or dad's church or somebody's church, but you, you, you really weren't grazing in fields that you can grow in and feel safe in and rest beside still waters. You, you haven't found that place, that pasture, but God brought you here to grow and develop. And when we get new people coming in, it's like the Spirit of God. It's like the Spirit of God slows down for a moment to let everyone catch up. Then we go again. New people come in. We kind of just go like this, teach, and slow down. And, but we're like right here right now going up. And it will continue to grow. 
and we'll, be, we'll begin to see more miracle signs and wonders. Now, I can get all Pentecostally up here and, and start, ha, 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 I mean, James Brown on you. I, I mean, I, can, I know how to spit on you. I know how to, I'm so good, I can spit three rows down. I'm not that good. But you'll never walk out changed. And there's moments for that and get excited. We, we've never built this church on hype. We've built it on intimacy. We want to grow. We see miracles. We see signs. We see wonders. I was talking to my, to my, my in-laws last night and we were celebrating Pastor CJ's birthday and, and uh, happy birthday, son. And we were... Because I don't think I told you yesterday. Did I tell you? Anyways. We were talking about how we had a service here. And, and God healed him a, a bulging, two bulging discs in the, in the church service. And he had never been able to bend down and touch his toes. The doctor said he had to have surgery. And, and they said, uh, he said, I, didn't want, I don't want to have surgery. God touched him and did it. He was sitting over there one time, because right over here we used to have the sound booth, and right there, in this front corner where you see those outlets, that's what was right there, and, and he was sitting there again one day, and while worship, worship was going on, one of our ministers said, say, I am healed in Jesus' name, and he said it, and God instantly took spots out of his lungs. He had, the doctor said he had lung cancer, possibly. When he went back to the doctors, they were, it was gone. I want you to know how God works at Riverside Church. He's told us this long ago. He said he would raise this church up to receive healings and deliverances and baptisms of the Spirit. And I will do it. And you will not have to lay hands on anyone. The Spirit will get the credit for it. And it just happens. How many of you, since you started coming here, you hadn't been baptized in the spirit but God filled you with the Holy Ghost when you came here raise your hand raise your hand all over raise them up high raise them up high I want you to look around there's more than that they're not all here today there was some in first service but I'm telling you the spirit wants to work in our life and we're not going to limit him but I am not going to deprive my children or my grandchildren or anybody in my family of the works of God my children need to experience. I'm going to train them how to pray. I'm going to lead by example. And I'm going to pray that God touches them. And as they begin to reach out to God, my prayers are going to reach out to them. And they're going to have an experience. And the legacy is living on. But here's what needs to happen. We need to shift gears right now and let the faith of God grow inside of us. So will you lift up your hands this Sunday morning? Hot. And will you just begin to let the Spirit of God begin to move? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.